got one shot at this. <laughs> He's driving. <laughs> he might be in a DeLorean. Vince. <laughs> oh, I'm tight. I can't type. Hello? Yeah! Yeah! Whoa, we did it. We did it. How are you guys Vince. doing? Vince got the whole speech guy's game. Minus Landon. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Vince. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. Let's make this work. Mm. Trivia okay. question. What film did that come from? It all started in Urbana. Um, I have no idea, but I guess it's something from the 80s. That would be correct. Well, 70s, uh, early 70s. 2001, A Space Odyssey. Maybe you've heard of it. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's where it came from. So, um, anything else you want to share before we uh, jump into this? Like, just highlights from your day? Maybe a little highlight from your day? Or, actually, how about how about this? Maybe one of your favorite, like, sci-fi speeches that, that stick with you. One of my favorite sci-fi speeches that sticks with me. I mean, I don't know if you could call this a speech, but when Han Solo says, I know instead of I love you too. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was only two words, but it said everything that it needed to say. So I'm going to go with that. <laughs> okay. Han Solo's very cold reciprocation of love. That's <laughs> your yeah. favorite. Well, you, knew, you knew what he meant. Favorite sci-fi speech. Great. Okay. Um... You go ahead and take over here. You know who's on the show. You know what episode it is. And um, go ahead and do put, put your own little spin on things. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Speech Guys podcast. We've got a great show lined up for you. This is episode 26. It all started in Urbana, where we're going to cover a wonderful speech from the movie 2021, A Space Odyssey. <laughs> That's the right year. <laughs> 2001. 2001, a space odyssey. We're we'll be living on 21. Mars by 2021. Uh, these guys have a great episode lined up. Please welcome Ross, Mike, and Matt. And here we go. And not quite cue the music. Hey, who are we talking to right now? Uh, this is Vince Kenny. I'm coming to you live from Des Moines, Interstate 35, uh, looking at a beautiful sunset right now. That's right. What what type of car are you in? Oh, I am in the industrial Honda Civic. You get lots of bang for your buck on this bad boy, Mm -hmm. but not as much as it used to. For the first time ever, it cost me more than 50 bucks to fill up my gas tank. That's not Mm. political. That's just like... (laughs) I'm I'm amazed. Facts, man. Yeah, we're we're a right. bipartisan podcast. Sweet. Um, in addition, extending my commentary from last episode, where almost all of my best friends are the youngest in their families, also an absurdly large number of my best friends drive Honda Civics. That's because you're friends with smart people, Mike. Exactly. That's the obvious interpretation. Hey, Vince, Honda thanks just very happens much. to be our sponsor. Let's cue the music. <laughs> when you see the road from every direction, it will give you eyes, give
give you hope, it'll give you perspective. I've been back and forth, and yeah, I had my crashes. Now I've seen the road, it goes every direction. The last several episodes, sci-fi series, Armageddon technology is kind of what saves us, right? Not entirely. There's a human spirit and there's other elements, but like technology is like the sort of saving force in the movie. Then you go to Jurassic Park where our technology is kind of our catastrophic undoing, right? That's what tears us down. This movie, I suppose, is more along the lines of Jurassic Park, but definitely kind of toes the line of this, um, yeah, like human error and machine error um you know is yeah who's to blame what's to blame um what is the right place for each and every you know each and both of those things so anyway but matt you forgot one of the other sci-fi speeches well yeah but that one i don't feel like interacting with technology as much that was a good yeah, one about yeah, time yeah. and yeah you know yeah free free will free will free will yeah, that was which of course ties into each of these questions how how our freedom engages okay (laughs) cool it's your show matt oh you're here for landon well (laughs) keep the ball rolling filling in for landon i can't say well i can say a couple reasons why i think landon chose the speech one it all started in urbana uh which is a very meaningful place for urbana and for the speech guys as many of you probably learned on last week's episode Sorry, that was another fourth wall break. Um, and uh, but yeah, two thousand one Space Odyssey. A uh, it's one of those movies that when I say I haven't seen it, everyone says, "What? You haven't seen it?" Um, very iconic film. I didn't realize so that whole um, the opening scene with the with the monkeys and the monolith mm-hmm. and the da, 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 that thing i didn't realize that was this movie yeah that, that's um, been like done in commercials yeah. it's like a everyone references right. that but I, this was the beginning of that so mm-hmm. um but yeah very iconic film in the sci-fi genre but also just i would say film at large it sounds like just from reading some of these uh critical takes on it um even George Lucas said that it was far superior to uh, his Star Wars movies. Well, hey, before we get too much in the weeds, let's go ahead and uh, take a listen to that speech. Open the pod bay doors, please, Hal. Open the pod bay doors, please, Hal. Hello, Hal, do you read me? Hello, Hal, do you read me? Do you read me, Hal? Do you read me, Hal? Hello, Hal, do you read me? Hello, Hal, do you read me? Do you read me, Hal? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? 
I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. And I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen. Where the hell did you get that idea, Hal? Dave, although you took very thorough precautions in the part against my hearing you, I could see your lips move. I'll go in through the emergency airlock. Without your space helmet, Dave, you're going to find that rather difficult. Hal, I won't argue with you anymore. Open the doors. Dave, this conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Hal? I guess what uh, I'll leave it open ended. Do you? I guess what do you? What did you know about the film before, or when you first kind of when you first heard Landon wanted to do this one? Did you know anything about it? Was it brand new? Um, and then second, kind of initial thoughts on this scene, this uh, dialogue. I mean, I knew that the film existed and was considered a classic. I know it was not a film that we watched growing up uh, in contrast with the Back to the Future films, which have been discussed. Um, but I did know that it was recognized as a, you know, a classic, uh, great film, um, critically speaking. Um the computer, how like I was aware of, is being like a sort of like dystopian figure, but it wasn't. It wasn't exactly clear, like w in any meaningful way, like what transpired. Um, what about you, Ross? Had you heard of the film? Was this uh, something you're familiar with at all, or like? No, I'm going to, I'll admit it. I had never heard of the film, nor had I seen the film. Well, yeah, of course I hadn't seen it if I hadn't <laughs> heard of it. But, yeah, I had no prior knowledge of the film. Because, okay. yeah, no, I was similar to Mike. I'd heard it was a classic. Um, but, yeah, really couldn't tell you, couldn't have told you anything about it. Um, Mike, you, uh, you, you might have been the only one who watched it. I don't think, uh, yeah, I think Ross said you didn't watch it either. But um, any... So kind of, why don't you set the scene a little bit? Because I know there are some pretty uh, important scenes that happened kind of right leading up to this interaction between um, uh, the main character, Dave, and Hal. So. Uh, yeah, right. So the film starts off in the like caveman, pre-caveman type days when you're dealing with uh, some sort of uh, common ancestor of humans who appear ape-like and it's very much like um, 
the Tree of Life film by uh, Terrence Malick, where it's just these 20 minute long scenes of just watching uh, nature act. So in this case, it was monkeys sort of dancing around. And then there's like monolith appears that's clearly a non-natural origin and that apparently um, imbues power to use tools among these uh, human common ancestors. And uh, then it cuts to then the future of 2001 where there is some sort of um, monolith that's been discovered on the moon that no one is sure about. And uh, a handful of astronauts encounter it. There are some goofy things that go on with their hearing. Uh, jump forward again a shorter amount of time, maybe a year or so. And that's where you're dealing with the astronaut concerned in the speech and the robot Hal, who have somehow been able to figure out that this monolith has something to do with aliens and uh, they're going out on some sort of like top secret mission sort of figure out what it is. I would say what this story lacks most is characters. Uh, it has an interesting idea regarding just the, the extent to which aliens may have uh, assisted human evolution. Um, but the, yeah, there's no, there's no characters, you know, the, the astronaut involved in the scene, you don't know him except that it was his birthday, um, that he's missing out, out on earth. Um, and yeah, so that makes it like really hard to sort of like engage with the film, uh, for sure. Um, because yeah, I mean, in my mind, everything comes down to, comes down to people and how these things uh, affect people. And it's hard, hard to connect with that if, if you don't know the characters. Um, so yeah, that was my take. Um, I mean, I think something for, that seems intuitive to me, like at the crux of this whole story, is this idea that if we do not, well, this is, it, it seemed that this was the case until you jump to the end. If we do not manage ourselves and our development in such a way that technology is a tool, then it will instead be something that controls us, right? And you see that shortly after the speech that how the computer gives because he doesn't let the astronaut back into the ship because he he's going to compromise the mission, right? And the the sort of like modern day parallel to that is, you know, things like algorithms that um, are are sort of at the core of making. Facebook and YouTube and all these different things successful, right? Because you're going to spend more time on YouTube if it suggests, you know, all of these uh, random videos that have been uh, beyond your purview uh, until now. Um, yeah, so maybe that's something that we might want to explore first. Um, the, the manners in which technology 
controls us in in obviously not any conspiratorial ways not like this is just us saying things um that there are these algorithms <laughs> which make us want to watch youtube but like that that is how how a lot of technology works and um yeah what what sort of what sort of ways we can um resolve that like resist that whatever those ways are anything internally we develop or legislative or uh anything like that so there, there there's a couple uh I'm, I'm dropping some some thought bombs that we can uh, run with to see what blooms thought seeds yeah yeah well one maybe before we get to like the practicalities of that in terms of you know personal uh actions and policies and things like one take that i remembered kind of going over just looking at like some of the critical uh feedback on it was that i think it was from roger ebert i could be wrong um mentioned or described hal as perhaps the most human character in in that like little i know there's like kind of four different almost not completely distinct before somewhat distinct um like segments of the movie but like Hal is this robot who seems like to some degree ashamed of like whatever computer error has occurred does not want to admit it insists on human error and insists you know kind of does this blame game thing um and like acts out of fear and self-preservation and all these things that are like very human um responses to things um so yeah, I guess I thought that was an interesting thing and maybe brings to mind that like perhaps, I mean, I thought the way you described like, yeah, it's not like these algorithms have a mind of their own, you know, these, these were made by humans, you know, um, I don't think we're at the point yet where, where technology is truly like do you know, um, working on its own behalf per se, but, um, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, like humans program things and the humans who program them have human errors in in and of you know just in their own thoughts and feelings and desires and whatever and you know the silicone silicone valley guy who's programming algorithms to keep you glued to your phone um is trying to make money you know and that's that's not always a good motive you know that's not always a, a good end and doesn't lead to good things for everyone always um I especially think, I, I know one of the kind of uh, auxiliary videos that Landon put in the outline <laughs> was about, like, the deactivation of Hal. Did you yes. guys watch that one? Wasn't that, like, I just thought that was so eerie and so, I don't know, like, I never would have thought, like, I would, like, feel f- sorry for, like, a maniacal computer being deactivated. But, like, it made me feel that, you know, I don't know, just, like, the way he, like, descended you know, to these different, I don't know, it was just kind of like, uh, not that I felt sorry for it, but it was just a very, like, jarring depiction of that. I don't know if that affected you guys the same way, but... It kind of makes me think of one of you guys, Mike put it in the comments, but, like, the idea of, um, I don't know, so, so in Mike's comment, he talked about, you know, with people... We're less comfortable killing animals seemingly the closer they get to us in terms of intelligence. Um, so, like, 
right? I've got a mouse in my house and I have literally zero reserve with setting a ton of mouse traps and trying to kill that thing. But like if I had, I think like Mike used the example, like a chimp in my house, like I might not quite feel quite so prone to just kill it. Um, so just like the better AI gets, like will the same kind of internal disputes happen as far as like kind of like Matt's example, like are we gonna be like actually like saddened by unplugging a machine? Um, and I kind of think that's kind of an interesting idea to explore. Like, in, like it's just a machine. Like, we really shouldn't be sad. And it's like, what's causing us to, like, what's making us, like, what made Matt feel sad when he watched that video? Me? I was just like, that's a robot, man. Take it down. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say sad, but it, I don't know, it, uh. I don't know. I thought it, it it made it made the I thought it, that it just did a good job of humanizing the inhuman, you know, and like drawing that to attention because I think that is a spot where where we're reaching. You know, I know a, a couple coworkers like have taken away their kids' phones as like a punishment, you know, and just hearing them like describe their kids' like overall response, you know, as if something like of. Like their very being was being taken away from them, you know. Uh, that so that's pretty interesting. What is there anything else you can add to that? Like describing their kids' response. <laughs> I mean, nothing like that. But just I, I, I suppose I can't remember specific things like their kids said or whatever. But I guess more or less just um, their parents kind of distress over like, gosh, you, you think I was, you know taking their dog away from them or take it, you know, like, mm. you know, just yeah. something like that. Um. Yeah. So just like to refresh, um, context for the consciousness of the robot problem, you know, that was in reference to a podcast between Sam Harris and Lex Friedman, where it's, it, it's, it's getting at the idea of not just that, well, we're going to feel bad discon potentially disconnecting a robot because it, it seems to act like a human. It's the question of we're not exactly certain of the nature of consciousness and how can we know that that robot is not conscious and that it would not be, would not be murder uh, to, to disconnect it, if you will. Um, so that's where that, where that comes from. Something I think is kind of related. Um, it's maybe Matt's comment when you said um, humanize the inhuman. It kind of made me think like we speak about like humane treatment and like human is in the word humane, right? So like it always hits me like when people talk about like treating animals like humanely, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, so I think that, I don't know, I, I had someone in I heard, I don't know, I was talking with a colleague once, we weren't talking about anything deep, but like that sort of came up and I honestly don't remember the context of the conversation or even the specifics, but like, it was kind of like, well, we're like, you're not treating that animal like humanely or something like that. Not me personally, but like the situation we were talking about. And I remember it hit me like, yeah, but like, I mean, the word itself implies that maybe that, that is not the proper treatment of the animal. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, well, okay, so that's interesting. Yeah, we say we use the word humanely, but we don't use the word humanly, right? Like that distinction like means something. 
And it and so here's how I might like go about defining it. It is to treat a creature with the proper um, quantity of um, the proper style of respect for its dignity. And so if we would say that dignity is a, a critical feature of any sort of um, animal life, like it, it all exists on some sort of like um, some spectrum, if you will, with, with humans sort of having the, the most pure form of dignity, then it is to treat an animal humanely is to treat them in a way that that respects that right so it's like we're obviously not going to eat another human but we do consider it okay to eat a cow and it's not just simply to killing a cow is not there are right ways and there are wrong ways to kill a cow right um i'll leave it to butchers to uh the, to dictate what the humane ways are, but we can at least say it would not be like, you know, doing it in a way that they would die a slow death or something like that, because that would not respect respect its dignity. I remember at U of I being in the Department of Agriculture before. I, I'd be really interested, actually, in what this talk would look like now in the more like woke area um but woke era but there was a woman who she worked in animal science at u of i and she said look we're in the business or the the academic space of animal welfare that was just something you study within animal science not animal rights um because animals don't have rights at least at the time with respect to university of illinois research it was about animal welfare which i think is an interesting interesting uh distinction an important that, distinction that makes good sense i mean i guess what comes to mind like when you just thinking about it is so i i have a memory of deer hunting with my nephew um and now he's old enough that he hunts on his own but at the time he wasn't he would just go sit with one of us um I remember like trying to talk to him a little bit about like the deer. It's not like they're bad. You know, it's not like we're like just killing for them for the sake of killing them. Like we kill them and we eat the meat and it, you know, provides food. Um, and I, I'm, I like recall kind of just kind of talking about it and like thinking through a little bit of, you know, the right way to kill a deer, if that makes sense. Cause there are some people that, yeah, they'll just shoot at anything they see. It might be running. You might hit it. You might wound it. You might find it. You might not. But like at least how we hunt or like it's more of a like, you know, if I'm going to take a shot, I'm very confident that I'm going to kill that thing very quickly and about as painlessly as possible. And hmm. if I don't have that opportunity, you just don't shoot. Um, and, you know, it's not that we're perfect, you know, we're humans and sometimes you miss or don't hit it in the right spot. But like at least the intent is always, you know, I'm going to make a very good clean shot and just get it done quickly. Um, yeah. Hmm. Speaking of humane treatment and things, I think one way, obviously not everything is reduced to monetary value, but it's one, I think, semi-valid way of measuring things. Guess how much money was spent on pets in America in the year 2020? Uh, <laughs> how much was spent? <laughs> $103 billion. 
Sounds like uh, a lot of pets are being treated humanly very rather human, than very... humanely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is kind of, I don't well, know. Well, but wild. in fairness, that sounds like a lot, but let's compare it to something else. Like, how much are we spending on broccoli? How much are we spending on Netflix? I think right. Sure. How much are we... I feel like yeah. broccoli and Netflix contribute... Well, I don't know. Pets do contribute to human flourishing in some ways. Okay. That's true. Here, 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 would, here would be like an interesting comparison. Uh, we're spending $103 billion on pets. How much are we just like donating to charity? That'd be like a good comparison. Are you factor. counting like pets let's, let's charities that involve animals though? Because I bet there's a lot of money towards charities that are for pets. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to count that. So, obviously, the money on pets, like, that's going to your pet. But, you know, if you're donating to uh, an animal shelter, like, I mean, okay, I mean, that, that's legitimate. How much, how much donate each year? Come on, give us a clear answer. So this... Okay, Americans gave $430 billion to charity. So, I, I, 20, yeah, the number I found was 471 in 2020. Billion, 471. Okay. So, so we give 20, four and a half times as much to charity as we do to pets. But not everyone, everyone has like reasonable interest in donating charity. Not everyone has a pet though. That's true. And some of those charities are for pets. Uh, let's see. So th this one broke it down to like about uh, just short of 6,000 per person. I assume that's. IRS taxable person. I don't know how they got that data entirely. You know what I mean? But I assume that's that's per taxable person because that's probably where they get this information is from IRS tax things. But um, whereas I think the average spent, so the average spent per year on pets was actually somewhere in the same ballpark. The the side I cited for the the one hundred and three billion stat said it's just somewhere between like. I don't know, fifteen hundred or so, and ten thousand or so. So anyway, just kind of, yeah. I guess that's an interesting. That's interesting to me, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, well, like people clearly have like an attachment to a pet, and kind of like you mentioned, like they're they're good for people, they're good for families and flourishing. So like, you know, if if you have an attachment to a pet, sure. Not that he matters more than that homeless guy down the street, but like I see him, I know him. You know what I mean? Like it's just like he's more <laughs> in your face, but. Mm -hmm. Yep. I feel like the more, which I think I've referenced this before, so I hope I'm not just beating my dead horse, but it's like a soapbox of mine. I feel like a more like direct analogy was that gorilla and the kid. Remember? Was it Harambe or something? Like mm, Harambe? Harambe, So like yeah. the money thing, I feel like, like yeah, it's harder because it's, I, in my mind, it's just different when it's directly in your face versus not. But like that was a situation that was like clearly one or the other. Like no other way. Like you can make right. Re refresh us. Refresh us on Harambe. A three. Uh, I don't know. A small child. In my head, he's like three years old, but that could be off by give or take a year or two. But like a, I mean, a small a kid fell into like a gorilla enclosure at a zoo. Um, and I don't remember the details. I don't know if the gorilla like was moving towards him, actually touched him. But there was like significant fear that the gorilla was going to kill him. Um, so the staff, I think they just killed the gorilla, right, Matt? Yeah, no, they I'm just, pretty sure. yeah, um, they just shot the gorilla. Yeah, so they killed the gorilla, um, and there was like backlash against them for doing that. Um, and so I feel like that's like a 
I don't know. I think part of me is like part of why to me that's kind of like a soapbox is just because like that seems like such an obvious, like easy answer that they did the right thing. And yet that there was even like even it's like, yeah, the media is going to play stuff, blah, 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 blah. But like just that there was like an ounce of support for some sort of like safe like Harambe memorial is just like, I don't know. Sometimes I try to like. Okay, you know these some people think differently than me. Like, you know, I'm not the smartest person in the world. Like, they're probably coming from somewhere. Like, where are they thinking about? But that's one of those situations. I'm like, no, that's just stupid. (laughs) Um, Like, there's just no. Yeah. I don't understand how someone ever has like. I mean. Well, all this. Yeah, I mean. Well, I I was gonna maybe pivot things a little bit because I mean I think all this is to say that there we do think there's something special about humanity. Right, that the fact that we give special value to treating something humanly or humanely, however you want to delineate the distinction between those. Yeah. Um, obviously, we put a higher value on human life than pet life or animal life, whatever. Um, and I think, like, the whole tie into this speech is like, where does technology fit in? You know, so <laughs> I guess maybe just can to kind I, of bring things back a little. If you have something else to can, add to the pet or animal can I, situation, go ahead. Can I suggest a different pivot that might be more like tied into both things? Go for it. We, yeah. we can try both. Pivot away, man. So, so we're identifying like the difference between treating something humanely and treating something humanly. And um, how the robot enters the scene um, in human history, and basically, what one of the like questions regarding technology is: Does when a robot gets to the point where it's anthropomorphic, does it have dignity? And the reason that's a difficult question for to varying degrees for different people is that well clearly i did not create the monkey i did not create the mouse or harambe and there is something that's just like intuitive that dignity of the appropriate amount and type for each kind of creature on earth that there is something that, the, that that's just given by the universe or given by God, however you conceive of the creator. That, that just comes natural to people. Versus a robot, that's a difficult thing to work through because obviously God did not create the robot. People did. And it's like, do you guys sort of get what I'm getting at with the, like that the challenge of that question that society is going to have to face at some point? Even okay, here's a more like imminent practical point to that. So Alexa, Alexa, who has come to be a cohabitator for so so many of us, myself included. I I definitely get angry with Alexa sometimes if she if I say. Hey, Alexa, play whatever song. And she doesn't play that. And maybe I'll do it again. And she still doesn't play it. And it, like, I'll, I'll, I'm ashamed to admit, but, like, sometimes just to, like, release, like, frustration, like, I'll cuss at her. <laughs> like, 
And I and I know, like I know that that's a bad thing, not because I think Alexa's feelings are hurt, but I I know that that's a really bad way to like manage your interactions with, um, just just with the world. Um, so, do you guys have Alexas in your house or any of her cousins? Hell no. I, I love my Alexa. I, Look, I'm jumping from one extreme to the other. Why don't you marry her? Then? I'm cussing. <laughs> I do have an Alexa. So, uh, I will not uh, let Mike marry hers. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, and so you know, there's the film Her. You yeah, guys seen no, I was Her? Thinking about that earlier. Yeah. Which we we look at it in some ways like, oh, that's ridiculous. How can you fall in love with Alexa? But not Alexa, but whatever the device is in that film. But it's like, okay, I've clearly admitted to feeling <laughs> significant anger towards this device, even though I know it is not conscious and has no feelings. But so there has to be some practical capacity with circumstances all set up right to feel the exact opposite, which is a disconcerting thing. Sure. I could, I could see that, but at the same time, people also, I don't know, people have been frustrated with things for years. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this stupid, yeah. mach- you know, vending machine doesn't work and you kick it, you know? And like, I don't right, know, I, sure. I don't know if, if that in and of itself is a thing i would say that i mean just the the degree to which we do feel like positive attachments to things i mean kind of like what i mentioned earlier with like a couple of co-workers mentioning their their kids like outsized response you know reactions to having their devices taken away you know i think that to me like speaks more to like our attachment um emotional attachment to to non-human things um to reference, but. to reference the first speech guy short, I feel like um, it's almost like we get with the, I don't know, like kind of talking earlier, like with the smarter the animals get, or the I don't know how it was worded in the outline, but the more intelligent animals get, it almost seems like they're closer to us, so we might feel worse about killing them. So it's like almost like with the computery stuff, the Alexas or whatever. It's like you kind of get tricked a little bit because like your interaction with them seems human in some ways. And that like you talk, they talk back. Um, They can give you an answer and things like that. But the reference in my short, like I feel like in some ways there's like kind of a line in the sand that like humans are different. So even if like it feels like we're not sometimes, like it feels like some people act very brutally and some animals are very compassionate or it feels like some an- people are just dumb and you know what this robot is actually smarter and better than them or something like that but like there's this kind of line in the sand that no humans are it's not like a qual you know it's i'm trying to think of the right way to say it. it's not a quantitative difference it's a qualitative difference or something um, yeah right right i think gk chesterton talks about that but um so actually like kind of an example in my mind is like old yeller. Like, so like sometimes, you know, I, like being like the right, like it wasn't easy with the kid. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie, I guess, but I know the story, but like the kid goes out and shoots his dog. Right. So like 
it wasn't that like that was an easy thing. He wasn't like robotically like, oh, that's just a dog. But like he knew like lying in the sand, like that's a dog and this needs to happen. Um, versus like if that was a human, he would not have done the same thing. If that makes sense. Even if he was like, well, buddy. haven't you watched of mice and men? <laughs> I have not watched of mice and men. I guess I Gosh, won't, won't you guys engage in culture just one iota? <laughs> <laughs> the guy that's mad at Alexa. Yeah, well, but in <laughs> in fairness, though, to like riff on your metaphor, yeah, it's not like anyone is the 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 crux of that story is not whether the boy did the right thing shooting old Yeller. I mean, I think he had rabies, right? The and the, the mice and men, you know, the crux is whether he did the right thing of shooting his friend. Um, yeah, not yeah, not the the well the sadness of it too. Yeah, but um, well, yeah, the sadness is common in both. But like, yeah, like the, exactly. Yeah, the moral uh, troublesomeness, or you know, yeah, the, the yeah. fact that that's the future is. We've we've really we've really yeah. Let's lingered far beyond the constraints of how here sort of like a five to ten minute thing and then get it done i don't think we we're, can end we're we're, we're yeah, tailing down too much for a good ending we need to get something substantive yep yep i i agree <laughs> this yeah how this probably is, had COVID. that's this ain't gonna be a hundred listen episode <laughs> how definitely had <laughs> I don't feel like we've talked about AI enough. I'm just going to start talking. I'm just going to start talking. I hope something comes. Not to put on the podcast that maybe it'll spark somebody to bring us home. I think, I mean, I have an Alexa. I don't know if that counts as AI. Um, but oh, yeah. when I speak, I think I probably, uh, maybe not tonight because I'm harped on. I'm back today, don't worry. But uh, harped on Joe Biden a little bit. But, um, I think sometimes when I talk, I tend more towards the, oh yeah, it makes sense, follow the science, blah, blah, blah. But I definitely feel like I have a lot of distrust towards um, the man, AI, all of that. And part of me is like, I'm just going to start talking. I'm just going to start talking. You are talking. That's how we roll, man. Okay, I'm just going to go, baby. Okay, so like... Just finish talking, man. My phone is 100% listening to every word I say. And anybody that says otherwise, it's like, that's insane. Because like, it literally will give you the right ad. So like, the phone's listening to what I say. And that is kind of creepy. Um, because somebody, I don't know if you'd call him the man or not, like is listening to that information. Um, I definitely do not trust a car to drive me even though I don't care how many statistics you put out that it's safer than I am. Like I'm driving my own car. Um, Alexa, sometimes I will intentionally say things that aren't correct. It did like throw her off. Like I'll literally be like, Hey, yeah, uh, like when we go to Idaho next week and I'll just, just like, completely, throw... like Oh wow. Talk. That's next um, level. She doesn't have read lips or eye things like how can what what are you trying to tell her to do when you're <laughs> I just in don't Idaho want her to know next week? <laughs> um, 
I don't know. So I feel like I definitely <laughs> tend towards distrust. So now that I'm just going with this, um, <laughs> like we talked about Wuhan earlier, like same thing. Sure. It's like, okay, you Luddite. a virus pops up in the same city in a lab that they're studying the virus. Like, sure. It's not from that. Like, wink, wink. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just have a little bit. I feel like I, I tend to lean more towards the, maybe I am conspiracy theorist a little bit, but um yeah, just the idea of machines taking over and all that, like, I'm not saying it's going to be the iRobot movie, but I think there needs to be a much healthier, like, I remember, um, I remember a conversation I had with Joe Olofsson at, uh, whose wedding was it? Michael Derry's wedding. So Matt, you were there. Um, and I remember like, oh yeah, that was the day before my first date with nice. my future wife. I remember talking to him a, bit, a little bit like, anyway. I don't know, like, um how can you learn more about stars by like Googling them or by looking at them, like going outside and looking at them. And like, we just talked about that for a lot. And I don't, I just feel like there's something that AI just simply cannot, no matter how good we get like capture. And I don't feel like that's ever the conspiracy. The reason I brought up like the conspiracy theorist in me, like, I don't think that's ever in the conversations like, um, on consciousness and AI and like these kind of lofty, elitist if you will you know conversations like i don't think that anybody mm. ever like has the more commonsensical maybe approach of yeah like sometimes you just got to shoot old yeller i don't know if that makes sense um i don't know spurred spurred something no no i, I appreciate the effort though no. Are we that done? The final round question, would you shoot Old Yeller? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I, uh, to get back on my yeah. soapbox, I don't think that's as dumb as a question as you made it sound. Like, I think a lot of people would say no. And to, like, back to my point, like, there's, like, the commonsensical, maybe, I, some would say conspiracy theorists, I would say commonsensical would say like that's just not even a question like yes you shoot the dog but the fact that some people um would even like hesitate on the question i think is problematic and i think like some of the ai conversations just lean towards that <laughs> i consider it a silly question i felt like it was off topic but <laughs> yeah I, I don't feel like it's on point enough to finish with would you disconnect Hal? Now that actually, okay, that might be a better finishing question. Even though I think we would, didn't Hal just like kill three people or something right before yeah, that scene? Yeah, essentially. So I, I think that seems like a. I don't know. I, I guess maybe that's my answer. I would totally disconnect well, Hal if he just killed three of my. Yeah, friends. I mean, we all would, but it, it'd be more about exploring the people who would not kill him so we'd have to answer four people <laughs> let's call someone <laughs> hey would you disconnect him i mean maybe uh i guess one maybe a way to kind of frame the at least the ai stuff because we've talked around ai i think we've talked about humanity about elitism about kind of what makes us human and what kind of goes into our decision making kind of around all that what maybe what uh, where would you compartmentalize ai what is a noble use and what is a terrifying use or what is a you know dehumanizing use of ai 
I like Matt's question. Mike, I'm, I'm not going to pause because I don't think you'd flip the switch so easily. I think you would hesitate. Based on everything. <laughs> 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 well, maybe he's right. <laughs> I'm picturing like Mike hesitating and then Matt coming in with like a shotgun and a mega hat on and is shooting it. <laughs> even though he just had to flip the switch. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> see, this is what happened. You guys don't watch the movie, and the real host of the episode is not even here. And he didn't even frame the outline in a speech guy's okay. way. We're Let me not just a, answer Matt's question. We are not a movie podcast. Let me answer Matt's question. Matt, okay, I think fair. a noble use of artificial intelligence would be like. I don't know, a self-driving car or sending robots to, like, dangerous places um, that can, like, figure things out for us. Instead of humans, I assume. Right. Sure. It, yeah. Or, yeah. I feel like a bad use of AI would be anything which I am sure is coming. And call me a conspiracy theorist, Mike, but I'm going to quote this. It's going to be here before we know it. Like using AI for relationships, mm. um, that seems to be something that I've actually never heard of that happening. But I would be shocked if in ten years it's not something um, that I think would be a bad use of artificial intelligence. Is people using AI for any sort of relationships? Yeah, like something akin to her, the film her. Also, never seen that movie. But, but. <laughs> you've seen yeah, trailers. That's what you're getting at. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty good. Well, I think along the same lines, you know, it's like if I could only keep a few things from technology in the year 1800, you know, it would be it'd be medicine, right? I would love to keep all of our modern medicines that we have now. And um the ability to like speak verbally to anyone, you know, so basically like having a cell phone or satellite phone, you know, wherever you went, like if you had those two things, like, Oh man. Yeah. That, I mean, that's so, I mean, it's along the same lines. It's like, man, it's hard to imagine. So any noble use of artificial technology would obviously, in my mind, just have to go towards medicine, just keeping people healthier. Um, bad. Uh, I mean, yeah, Ross, I, Ross is a good answer. There's, yeah, the, the bad artificial intelligence is, is using it for like uh, a relationship. Yeah, yeah. But hey, Ross, why don't you announce the next speech now so that it's easier to edit? I don't have the name of the speech, but I have the name of the person giving said speech. So, um, so yeah, so we're going to start the speeches by Mom Squad, and I'm going to be giving a speech by Carrie Gress. So we'll be get, going over a speech by Carrie Gress. She is a – the reason I picked her, so I was c kind of trying to stifle through speeches by moms, and you guys are going to run into the same problem when you Google that. All that comes up is Mother of the Bride speeches. 
Um, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> There's a topic right there, but so uh, anyway, so I thought about it. I started whittling out some names. I have some other names um, that I thought would be good. I talked to Julie, and anyways, Julie has really appreciated Carrie Gress and some of her stuff she's done. She's written, I think, some books and blogs, and um, I don't know. She. Uh, yeah, she's the editor of Theology of Home. She talks about motherhood a lot and how to be a mom. And Julie has really, my wife, Julie, has really appreciated some of her work. Um, so I thought that for the first speech and speeches by moms, we could maybe, the literal topic could be kind of motherhood. And then I thought that might help kind of set the stage for the rest of the quad. Julie? Julie? Julie going to guest host? I'll try to get her on. I'll do my best. I saw that she made a guest appearance in the background. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, in three weeks, we will have uh, first Speeches by Moms episode. Until again, thanks for uh, drinking and thinking with us. Hey, let's hear that poem. All right, here we go. Poem titled Sculpture. Countless hours of training, grinding, grinding. For what? For my humanity? For my dignity? For love? No. Chipping away at marble and building a monument to vanity with the scraps chipped away. Here's hoping the sculpture outweighs the pride. All right. Thanks for doing that, Mike. I appreciate that. Sure. You're welcome. Yeah.